I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I am joined for the third, fourth, several, several time by second. But you know, is it? No, we have had you on other. I've had you on other <laughs> nope. podcasts though. Maybe so. Second time. Second time. It's only your second worst. time on Locked On. It's okay. I forgive you. I've had too many Mavs podcasts. I think. I think that's that's my true. Problem. That was my problem at one point. <laughs> it's Kirk's serious face. It's Kirk. Kirk Henderson at Kirk Serious Face on Twitter. You guys all should know him by now. He is what I have dubbed the uh, the fan representation of Dallas Mavericks fans, I feel like. Do you think that's a fitting title? Uh, I mean, most of them hate me, so probably not, but I think <laughs> But I isn't think, that just a <laughs> isn't that just a representation of them like in their self self loathing? A little bit too? of self loathing, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, just like everybody funneling it to me and then I just project it out. I think that works. Kirk is uh, one of the editors, and he runs uh, one of the ones that run Mavs Moneyball. It's a great site that I was a part of, uh, and uh, they do great stuff over there. And we are going to be talking about all the free agent stuff. There's just a lot of stuff floating around, and there's a lot of names that are connected to the Mavs and not connected to the Mavs for whatever reason. So I wanted to get Kirk's opinion. Isaac is uh, is away doing something tonight, so he is out again. Don't worry. There will be times when Isaac is here and I am gone, so don't worry about that if you're there, I, I imagine that there are some people out there that are Isaac fans and not Nick fans, and they're like, man, Isaac is out all the time because Isaac always goes on these retreats with his youth group. And so your day will come. Your day will come, Isaac <laughs> fans. All right, Kirk, let's get right into it. So today, the big news, I think, was that all of a sudden, the uh, the Boston Celtics are interested in Kemba Walker, and it seemed like you know there was news that Dallas was the one team that Charlotte was worried about coming after Kemba. And all of a sudden, the Celtics have just come out of nowhere. Stein says, we can scratch stealth. Boston and Dallas are at the front line, and we'll be trying to lure Kemba Walker away from, Kemba Walker away from Charlotte. What are your thoughts on Kemba? <sighs> this one's tough for me because I think you know it, it really boils down to the Dallas Mavericks need more talent. That That is is kind of what everything comes down to. Now, with all this cap space, I think there are two arguments. Do you want talent or do you want some depth? And with Kimball Walker, you know, he's 29 years old, just turned 29. Uh, you know, maxing him out to a four-year deal puts a small guard who potentially could fall off a cliff. But the fact remains is, like, right now, he he, he just won. He, you know, he just uh, was third-team All-NBA, which, you know, I think reasonably puts him as one of the top 25 players in the league. He's really talented, and he's really had to work with some of the worst teams I think in league history since he's been part of the since he's been part part of of the Hornets. And it's kind of remarkable. I think you know he he might be underrated. He might be a little overrated because he's playing in a weaker conference and has you know like a plus twenty five percent usage rate. I'm really all over the map with him, but I know he's good at basketball now. How he fits with Dallas is really remarkable because I, I just don't know what to expect. If a guy who's you know ready to be a second or third third option, I guess he he could be something. But it's just kind of hard to say. You know, 
other than the fact that he's really good at basketball and the Mavericks would like to have really good basketball players like past that. There's just really a lot that's up in the air. Yes. And that, I think that's a good place to kind of find yourself is that, Hey, at the end of the day, if the Mavericks get good basketball players on their team, if they get better basketball players than they've had over the last three or four years, that's a win, right? Like that's just a, a positive in the right direction. Uh, It has to be, It, it has to be because, you know, we complain and, you know, we've watched, I, I, I love our fan base, but sometimes I think we fall in love with the wrong players. The team has won uh, 93 games in three seasons. They've not been good. <laughs> so good players would, would would be helpful. Yes, absolutely. And um, with Kemba Walker, it's interesting that you say, like, is he overrated? Is he underrated? Because you have different arguments on different sides. You can say, well, he had, you know, like a 28% usage percentage. And he, you know, is taking a ton of shots, and he's the only option. But also, he's the only option on that team. I mean, there's who is the second option on the Hornets? This is the game we've played during during the Michael, season. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan <laughs> is the second option. Or Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I don't know which one I'd rather have at this point. Charlotte Observer columnist Rick Bonnell is the second <laughs> option for for the Hornets. And so. He hasn't had any help, so we don't even know what he would look like with help. I mean, who's the second best player he's ever played with? Al Jefferson? I mean, it, it something like that. I, mean, I was. He might be I the best player he's see, ever played with. <laughs> I got to see him in college during their Final Four run, and he was magical. And I really should probably want him on the Mavericks. I'm just, I'm a little leery because of the age, and a little leery because of the size. But at the end of it, you know, if the goal. Sometimes I think all of us are putting the cart before the horse because we want to build a contender. We just need to get to the playoffs. Yes. We'll worry about the other stuff later. I mean, this sort of stuff is is crazy. You know, with Boston, the reason the Boston uh, fans are super into him, uh, Snotty Drippin on, on Twitter referred to him as 96% of Kyrie with 0% of the trans-dimensional bliovating. Uh, <laughs> and I've been laughing about it for like 10 hours because yeah. he's – his numbers with Kyrie are very similar, but he's not a crazy person. You know, he's really, you know, he believes the earth is round, which, you know, goes a long way in locker rooms, I suppose. So it's, it's, he's just a good basketball player. And I think, you know, if, if, if the Mavericks really want to make him their number one option, if, if that's what they want, you know, they've been on about an 18 month hot streak, you know, with Luca and then with, you know, Porzingis. And at a certain point I need to let go of some of my old, you know, frustrations and just kind of embrace it if that's what they want. And I, this is a point I've made on this podcast a lot, is that when's the last time we had a finals MVP that was, you know, like 22, 23? It, it, these guys don't win titles until they're in, like, the 25, 26, 27, you know, up into 30-year-old range. Like, they have to – you have to take your lumps pretty much at the beginning of your career and learn and get to the playoffs and go and succeed and fail. I mean, LeBron making the making the finals with the that Cavs team in 07 was, like – I mean that was kind of a, an anomaly, right? <laughs> well, I mean he's one of the best. He's one of the best two to three players all time. Right. So you know everything. Everything else is a little bit different, and you know we just we really need to get there. And, and you know, kind of one of the things I've been really I've been really struggling with, at least you know, big picture, is just the Western Conference is so much more challenging top to bottom. Even if the Eastern Conference might have better teams that it's hard to assess, you know, who is actually, you know, the Mavericks are super talented. They probably, they easily have two of the best, you know, 10 players under 25, yet I'm just not sure how much that matters with how deep the conference is. So it's hard for me to get too, 
you know, to lean any direction about a guy like Kemba Walker because he's just good at, at basketball. And, you know, his percentages and things like that weren't great, but that's because he he had te- he was he was the best player on on teams that were just atrocious. Yeah, the only option, literally just playing Kemba ball. I mean, out there trying to, to dribble and try to figure things out. I mean, he's out there with non-shooter Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Jeremy Lamb, who I guess is kind of bringing some spacing, Nick Batum, who's, you know, whatever you think about Nick Batum, Marvin Williams, I guess, some spacing. But then you're like, man, this guy just doesn't have any options. I mean, he's playing out there with two non-shooters most of the time. If he comes to Dallas and he plays with Luka and Porzingis, those are the two best players he's ever played with already. Hands down. And and that description of what you were talking about of a bunch of okay guys, which I, I which is really what I think some of those those Charlotte players are. It really kind of described what Luca was ending ending up playing with last year. A yeah. bunch of guys who were good at specific things, but not really good enough to be starters on an NBA team. Dwight Powell so is what, your Cody Zeller, right? <laughs> Dwight right. Finney Smith is your Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And the other thing with a guy like with with a guy like Kemba, and and I believe I've talked about this a little bit. One of the things that was so surprising about Luca is that he scored his points in difficult ways, off the dribble, taking you know the step back threes. There were very very few opportunities where he was getting the ball on the move towards the basket. You know, other if if you know. I guess we could count, you know, the ridiculous DeAndre Jordan passes that he tried 12 times a game, but there, you know, there weren't a lot of oh, opportunities man. for for Luca to to operate in space where he wasn't the initiator. And I, I don't, I'm the concept of that in my head is really exciting because that means, you know, a fresher Luca as the game and as the season goes along. Not to mention, you know, the the option of really getting Luca in these mismatches in ways that weren't pick and roll. So I think that's kind of exciting to at least think about. For sure. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about Kemba and the idea of Boston maybe trying to lure him away. All right, Kirk. So what? So now at this point, you are you're on board with Kemba. If the Mavs signed Kemba Walker to that four year max deal. You're for it. I'm I'm kind of for everyone. I'm I might be the worst person on Twitter about this because I just I just opened my mind about it really early where I can't say that I hate the idea of them pursuing anyone in free agency other than wasting time. I don't like that. Like taking meetings only to get dunked on doesn't sound fun. But I, I've I've really kind of come around on Kemba after being against it just because I think like the Mavs putting forth a a hyper offensive team, kind of like the the Antoine Jamison six man team, sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, watching 130 to 120 games is like that. Sign me up. Yes, yes, I'm for it. And and you get there's a path to the playoffs with Kemba as your point guard. I certainly think so because there's you know if you assume that the West outside of I mean, God, like the top to bottom, if you if you kind of give it an, like making an 11 team race, you just want to hover. You want to make sure and see what's there. And you know what? If something isn't there, I'm going to put this out into the other early Cade Cunningham to the Mavericks 2020. We could tank and get <laughs> the best prospect. That's a different story for later. Everyone ignore me um, that. But yes, I, to answer your question, I, I, I've, I've really come around on Kemba. So you're for Kemba. What do you think about the idea of Boston going after him? If you're if you're Kemba Walker and you have Dallas versus Boston trying to lure you away from Charlotte, um, which one of those would you lean towards? 
that's really tough. So let's grant in the argument that he is not going to want to stay in Charlotte. So then you're really talking about two different, very different organizations. The Celtics have, and Mavericks fans aren't going to like this, the Celtics have an excellent track record under Brad Stevens. I know a lot of people don't, you know, they think that the Mavericks, then they're right. The Mavericks have the two best players between the two teams and Luka and, and Porzingis. But the Celtics have depth. And not only do they have depth, they have a coach who manages to squeeze a lot out of that depth. So if you can can join a team like them, it's they're I mean, they're gonna make the playoffs in the in the East. The East might have kind of some of the better top rung talent, but I really don't think it's an argument past that in terms of they're gonna be a likely playoff team. They're gonna win forty five or so games. Whereas you go to the West and there are things that are outside of your control. You know, it really depends on how good the the uh, you know the Lakers are. I mean, the the damn Blazers. Like it, it's it's kind of ridiculous just what could happen and when with who. And you know, I I, I believe I believe that Kemba would put them over the top, but does he believe that? And that's you know kind of the question because what we really don't know is what Kemba wants. He's made some really interesting statements. Mitch Kupchak, their their GM, has made some hilariously stupid statements. Michael Jordan, the cheapest man alive, has never paid the tax uh, in terms of you know going over the the salary cap. There's just a lot of there's some things which are like glaringly obvious, like the Jordan thing. But then you know there's some unknown things about what he actually wants. I, I believe I saw something later this evening that said that Kim is primarily an East Coast guy. Well, you know what, uh, Mavs fans? The Mavericks ought to be in the Eastern Conference compared to some of these teams. <laughs> so that would work for me. I, that, that's just kind of where I, I settle on it. Yeah. Do we think that it's a coincidence that that clip of uh, Barkley and Jordan on Oprah went viral recently where he, he said that Barkley went up to go give a homeless man some money and that Jordan slapped his hand away and said, if he can, if he can say – can I can I have some money? He could say, "Can I take your order at McDonald's?" Do we think that that's a coincidence? I mean, it has to be. I I think that you know maybe in the depths of summer, if if things are really boring, I you could have me back on, and I would love to talk about the supermax and what I feel that's done to the NBA. I feel pretty confident that the the uh, uh, Hornets are not going to offer Kimball Walker the supermax, but they still may offer him a five year deal. And if they can offer him a five-year deal where he's making more money in his fifth year than he would theoretically make from age 34 until the end of his career, it's going to be hard for him to turn that down. But their cap sheet is just such a mess. I mean, uh, you look at what they're – I think they're paying Nick Batum for like three more years, and he is Chandler Parsons' mediocre it is just i mean it's shocking what they have there so it's really you know does he want money or does he want some sense of accomplishment do you think that the boston thing with isaiah thomas they you know he went out there and gave his all and then hurt himself in the in the playoffs and he wanted the brinks truck and then they just you know traded him away and then whatever happened with Kyrie and how however that was handled do you think that that has stars looking at boston and saying like that's not a good place to go play. I don't want to go play pure there. Pure speculation, but I think it has to because you can you can make an excuse mentally for if something bad happens in your place of work once, 
but years and years of being treated like, you know, uh, capital in a market is going to tick people off. Uh, you know, they do have kind of their core set of young players who they've, who they've clung to. But I think that, that if I were, you know, a, a, a veteran in the middle of my career, I would not entirely feel comfortable about going to a team that has not necessarily been, uh, it's just made choices that look poor. I mean, I don't want to, you know, outside of Isaiah Thomas, some of the things that have happened have been really outside their control, but it doesn't look good. And it's kind of hard to avoid that. Yeah, man. If I looked at that, that organization, I would, I would probably shy away. Just, there just seems to be drama. And I know that Kyrie is gone, but it just seems like every year they try something and it just blows up. And, well, <laughs> and it wasn't Kyrie's fault the first time. And, man, who knows? Well, and our friends to the south, the Houston Rockets, are dealing with this too. You treat people a certain kind of way over enough years and they, you know, start to react to that. And, you know, I know the Rockets are not what we're talking about, but they're an interesting comparison point. Just because all of these rumors coming out of Houston are, you know, are the result of years of treating players specifically like assets. And that that's just kind of how we ended up here. And that's what the smartest GMs do. Every time that, you know, we grade trades or we grade drafts and all this stuff, the, the ones that we give A's are sometimes the ones that are the most ruthless, right? Like cut somebody at the right time. They, you know, do the Bill Belichick thing where just as soon as the guy is about ready to, to hit his lull in his career where he – stops becoming a good you know investment or asset they they cut ties and they get rid of them and in football you can get away with that but in basketball it's a little bit more comes back there's to there's just not enough players and you know i i'm sure you you and isaac have talked about this a little bit but the eventual extension of someone like dwight powell on a paper basis i hate it i <laughs> I, I like i kind of like powell but there's not it's hard to place a price tag on your players who do specific things very well being happy and you know the like not having locker room strife is really valuable i think that's kind of one of the things that the mavericks have learned since trading for rajon rondo sometimes they're a little bit too into it but <laughs> you know it's it's kind of one of those things where happy you know uh, my boss uses the phrase happy wife happy life but there's a little bit of that going on with with the mavericks where if these guys you know if if they have a locker room that's that's content, then that erases a lot of potential problems for them, even if they run into hard times. And that's just kind of something I think that all free agents really need to look for as as they're figuring out what they want. You know, money can't be the biggest factor in every decision. Yeah, everyone needs to look at that except for Kyrie, because maybe if it's happened once, if it's happened twice, maybe maybe you look in the mirror. <laughs> Woo! Did you see that comparison? It's like a Sarah Silverman thing where it's like, if you have a string of bad roommates, yeah. at a certain point, <laughs> you're the bad roommate. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I had Kyrie really low on my... We did a free agent hierarchy where we ranked the free agents from like, if you could get one guy, you're guaranteed to sign one guy, who would you want? And uh, I had Kyrie down like at 12 because I just don't... I don't want him... I don't want to bring him in next to Luca and Porzingis. And, you know, Porzingis may be... A, People, some people say diva tendencies. Some people say he's disgruntled in New York or whatever. But you just don't want to. I don't want to mess with any of that right now. Couldn't agree more. Especially I mean, the, the way that I would, the way that I would talk about Porzingis is that he's what twenty four. 
the things the things that I did when I was 24 <laughs> when I had no money, I really can't consider what it would mean if I was 25 24 and I had money. Ugh. So I think more than anything else we just need to chalk some of these things up to youth and not every not every young rookie is going to want to play like obscene amounts of Fortnite while videotaping their weird little dog like Luca. Oh, how dare you? That is a cute dog. Hugo like, is Hugo is 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 royalty. He's Mavs royalty already. I, I need Luca to get a bigger dog for, for the sake. <laughs> Are you like, an anti-small like, dog guy? I am. I am. Well, your big your dog is, is big my dogs. dog is like the size of a ten year old. So <laughs> my dog's like twenty pounds. Is that too small of a dog? No, it's mainly the yippy little ones, but Hugo's cute. You're right. Oh, <laughs> I wonder if it's his dog or if it's more his girlfriend's dog and he's just around. It's their dog, Nick. Oh, man, <laughs> see that? That's a commitment. That's the commitment right there. You get a dog together, you're in. You're That's in for right. good. Um, speaking of Porzingis, so Shams tweeted out today, restricted free agent Chris Ops Porzingis. And the Dallas Mavericks will meet when free agency opens on June 30th, which is really weird to hear. And the franchise plans to offer Porzingis a full five-year, $180 million, $158 million maximum contract. League sources tell The Athletic. Uh, I looked up an old Shams tweet, and, it's, and he said, uh, like, league sources tell The Vertical. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. I totally forgot, <laughs> forgot about The Vertical. Uh, okay, so what do you think about this $158 million? That's the maximum. Like That's all they can, can give to him. They can't do any better than that. This is what we signed up for, guys. And, and you know, I don't entirely understand it. I was talking uh, or tweeting back and forth earlier this evening with the guy at 105.3, uh, and, and, you know, he, 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 he talked about how this is a little bit of a risk. Well, of course it's a risk. You know, the, the Mavericks got in early on, on, on uh, Porzingis. There's injury concerns, there's attitude concerns, there's lots of concerns. He's still unbelievably talented. He is probably more talented than any player the Mavericks could have gotten unless they lucked into Zion. And this is exactly what we want, the opportunity to pair two really talented and not to mention talented, just unique players in their early 20s and give them an opportunity to build something. So, you know, I'm not sure where the cap is going, but the, you know, paying someone $30 million a year to be unbelievably good at basketball is, is the likelihood that it's a bad deal for Dallas really depends only on whether you think he's going to either be a knucklehead or get injured. And if Casey Smith signed off on Porzingis, that should really be good enough for almost all of us. It, that that's kind of all all it really is. I mean, other you know, if this is a surprise to anyone, then they haven't been paying attention since January thirty first. I'm a little surprised that it's all out straight the full max. And I wondered if if they're going to do anything like the Joel Embiid contract, where they put some clauses in there to say, hey, you have to hit this this number of games and stuff like that. And that could potentially still be in there. He could still be able to get the hundred and fifty eight full max if he hits some certain things and i'd be interested to see if that's in there Ooh, i really like that i didn't you know i don't think i've really thought about that mainly because matt some of the weird contractual things dallas does in the sense that they tend to like negotiate against themselves you know (laughs) i.e dwight powell um i don't that'll be interesting to look for i think you know porzingis's representation which i believe is his brother 
is about as, you know, friendly as a, you know, like 20 year old dog getting woken up from a nap. So I don't know if they have the gumption to try something like that. I would be pleased with that just because it would mean to me that the Mavericks are trying to hedge a little bit and protect themselves. But, you know, the restricted free agency is a pretty poor concept. I think, you know, that, that, the matching and yada yada and all that's kind of dumb. I think mainly teams should have the ability to offer one extra year and more money, which is what Dallas is doing. Dallas has treated them first class since he came in the door, provided them with top tier medical and really tried to work with him to figure out what's been going on with his body. Because, you know, as much as he probably won't want to admit it, all of his injuries are to one side that matters. Uh, I am a oft injured human um, for anybody that follows me on social media, and I believe, and doctors will probably attest to this, that a lot of his injuries are connected. So if Casey Smith and the Mavis trainers are able to help him figure anything out, much like Kawhi Leonard in, in uh, Toronto, there's it's really hard to put a price tag on that sort of thing. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic is what I would view this $158 million deal. Yeah, and then it'd be interesting to see if they put any of those games played clauses, but then they try and play him a little bit less like Kawhi did with the the Raptors this year. Like 65 in, games was kind of his thing, so that's kind of a slippery slope too. It is, and you know the Mavericks really tried that with Dorian Finney-Smith. I mean, that's it's it's, <laughs> it's it's a little screwy once you get there, but I think, you know, if the Mavericks are to be playoff eligible, they're going to need they're going to need 25 minutes a game for over 65 games from Porzingis and they're going to need, you know, probably 74 to 75 from Luca and, you know, uh, f- uh, as reasonable a slate as they can get from whatever free agents they get. So it's, you know, there's just a, there's a lot of floating pieces right now. Like this is, I'm having a lot of fun with how silly this is. I think our, <laughs> I think our fan base is like generally, um, just generally tense about it, you know, I'm sure you know, everybody follows Dalton from DallasBasketball.com. He's just endlessly optimistic, which is I, I really love that. I'm kind of in between to where I'm just like, you know, as long as they sign people who are, you know, functional basketball players, I think I'm going to be okay because I'm really at peace with how, you know, like Luca and, and Porzingis are just such a good base that everything else after tends to be, you know, mixing and matching. Yeah, you have Dalton at one end, and then I think you have Josh Bow at the other end. Right? <laughs> Josh is not near as grumpy as he talks about. It's just it's it's so challenging because we get sold these things, and this is the first year in free agency where the big you know, you, you have Mike Fisher, DallasBasketball.com, you have New York Times writer Mark Stein, you have Adrian Warjanowski, you have Zach Lowe, you have you know Brad Townsend and DallasBasketball.com, you got Tim McMahon, you got all of these people who we know as as kind of analysts more than 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 reporters we know these guys have sources and the fact that they're conflicting is wild i don't think i can really put enough emphasis on that for people that don't have enough institutional memory because really if you've only been on social media like the last let's say 3 years there's some of this just doesn't happen you don't have Jack, Jackie McMullen of ESPN.com disagreeing with Mark Stein. Like, that does not occur. And so for me, a lot of people are reacting to this, you know, like like my wife is kind of like low-key freaking out about this, whereas I'm just like, this is, I personally find this hilarious because 
I, these reporters are in the same boat we are or, and really have been for going on like four or five years where, you know, we have some belief, but you know, I think in the back of our heads, everybody knew Dwight Howard was never going to sign here. And so like the fact that the, that the news, you know, producers are, are confused makes me feel really good because that means we're going to have a lot of fun on Sunday. Absolutely. All right, let's take another break. And when we come back, let's talk about some more of those free agents that are out there that are just sitting, waiting to be like scooped up and brought to the Mavericks. All right, Kirk. So you bring up the fact that it seems like reporters don't really know what's going to happen. And this, this like NBA information age where it seems like we know everything all the time. It's sort of unsettling to not know something because it seems like we know everything all the time. And like you have Durant penciled into the Knicks. He gets injured, and now you're like, oh, well, I guess he's not penciled into the Knicks anymore. Like We don't know what's where he's going to go or what he values or, or whatever. And so then all of a sudden, that is a question mark. And then you have all these things that were that seemingly were set into place start to become more question marks. Kyrie is not going to the Knicks anymore. Kyrie is going to Brooklyn now, but Kyrie could also go to the Lakers. And there's all these different things. And, and I wonder if the players are – keeping things closer to the vest more so than ever before because teams seem to know what they're doing before they do it. I think it's a mix of both because we have these superstars like you mentioned Kevin Durant and Kawhi. Kevin Durant and Kawhi are the most online superstars I can remember ever because Durant is simply aware of everything that's happening. No, Kyrie, and not Ka- Kawhi. Uh, What's wrong with me? I was gonna say Kawhi is the least <sighs> online. <laughs> I was just making sure you're <laughs> Kyrie. Yeah. <laughs> you know Durant is is the most online superstar. Yes. Ka- or Kyrie is the one who just doesn't care, and you know is out here saying whatever you know he's talking. You know whatever recent you know YouTube video, whatever loose change sequel he's watched in the last twenty four hours. And I think it's it's a little bit of mix of both because these guys don't know what's going to be best for him. I am shocked that Durant is is uh, one of the uh, or that New Jersey is in the lead to get Durant according to to Las Vegas betters was the last thing I looked at like yeah. that strikes me as crazy now what these guys do next is really is is really going to be shocking because in my head I am just so used to chunks of free agency being out of the way on the opening day and I seem to have blocked out entire horror shows like DeAndre Jordan and how long he took and the fact that LeBron James took forever to go to Cleveland, yeah. which is really strange because I've gone to Summer League in Las Vegas for basically the past eight years, I think. And I don't – I must have, like, blocked out how, how like, terrifying this is for content creators because we're supposed to be, like, covering Summer League, but we're also really covering what's happening in free agency. I would really like it just for the sake of convenience if we knew what Dallas was going to do by, you know, I don't know, let's just say like July 1st at, you know, 2.30 in the morning. That way we could all get our podcasts and our articles out of the way and then, you know, go enjoy. But alas, someone will hold on too long and someone will take their time and why shouldn't they? This is their decision. Some of these guys is the only decision they'll ever get to make about where they play, you know? That's true. So they're going to hold on and see where they go. Uh, one guy that gets to decide where he's going to go play now is Al Horford. Uh, what's your take on Al Horford to the Mavs? Isaac and I have been very high on him uh, with his fit, and then th- the price seems to be a little bit lower than maybe we thought. So what do you think about Al Horford? 
this, you know, earlier in the podcast, I mentioned how at a certain point in time you want to talk about talent. So I am really trying to pull away from the price tag figures and just look at fit. And Horford is the kind of guy I would desperately want on the Mavs at any point in the last three years. And, you know, really going forward, I think that he would be an amazing fit. I'd be a little unhappy with how Dallas choosing to allocate resources in terms of paying Porzingis, Dwight Powell, and Horford a ton of money in the front court. Uh, but I've I've kind of justified that in my own headspace by thinking about this like an NFL team would with an unbelievable rookie quarterback. Sometimes you want to allocate resources differently because you can afford to. Horford is just the kind of guy who... If you look at his numbers, you're probably kind of disgusted that we're even talking about this. But this is not about numbers. This is about fit. And I want Luca to have the ball 25% of the time. I want him feeding Porzingis. That means the third superstar, whoever joins, needs to be the person who fits. That's Al Hortford. He's an unbelievable defensive player. He is a really good pick-and-pop player. And, you know, some of those things aren't necessarily going to go away with age. He's a big guy. Shooting touch doesn't go away. Let's talk to Dirk about that. And the ability to share, you know, how to be a professional, I think, is is pretty important for the Mavericks moving forward. I don't I I think maybe as the years go on, we're really going to have to reconcile, okay, well, Dirk was there for Luca's opening year and for half of 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 Porzingis's. You know, season in Dallas, that matters. Well, you know, we've all read the stories. Dirk was back in the lab getting his body operated on. And Porzingis, <laughs> yeah. you know, and Porzingis basically, or, uh, uh, and, and Luca basically laughed at a lot of, of, you know, Dirk's, you know, quips here and there. You know, there wasn't really time to learn how to be a professional with the way that I think everybody would have liked. Luca Doncic doesn't necessarily need that because he's, he's a wonder, you know, he's really a wonder kid, but. You know, Porzingis needs somebody. I really believe that. So I think that, that, you know, if you're paying for someone who Porzingis has to respect, there's really a lot there that is of value. I'm not sure if it's an, enough to really justify that. But if, you know, you get into the first round of the playoffs as a second seed and you're playing, let's say, a struggling, I don't want to say Rockets just because I feel like they let Thunder. Okay, Thunder's a great pick. So having somebody like like that there to settle everyone and really stretch out a series and encourage, you know, just just the way being that kind of coach on a floor that a way uh, Rick Carlisle can't be. It's hard to put a price tag on that, in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting. I like the way that you said that. I think that, you know, when you're experiencing something for the first time or like you play a video game for the first time, like this will take you back. Remember the first time you ever played Dance Dance Revolution? Always, and, <laughs> and you get up there, and you're and you're like, this can't be that hard. So you pick like hard or medium or something like that, and then just the the little lights and the arrows are flying by you, and you or Guitar Hero or whatever, and you just you can't hit all the buttons at the same time. You're just trying to get through it, right? You're just trying to hit as many as you can. And Luca got through his first season, and he hit a bunch of the buttons, right? But then as soon as it starts slowing down for you, and this you know the season starts slowing down for you, the game starts slowing down for you, the league starts slowing down for you, where you can make some conscious decisions about how you react and respond to how to be an NBA player, how to play in games and stuff. That's when you need somebody. And I think the way you were saying it, Porzingis is in this 
this line of his career, this this spot in his career, where he's ready to make some conscious decisions about how he plays and how he carries himself and how he, you know, is a pro. And he needs someone next to him now to to help guide him through that. Whereas Luca and maybe Chris Ops first couple years in the league, he was just kind of reacting to everything and just trying to get through it, especially in New York. Good Lord. Oh yeah. And, and I, you know, I heard on the Bill Simmons podcast today, Bill Simmons does not think that, that Dallas is the suitor for Hortford and Mark Stein did not directly confirm that he agreed with Simmons, but I've heard enough to feel that, that he is, he is very out on the concept. Now I don't, necessarily think that matters i mean uh uh, tim mcmahon admitted on the hoop collective podcast over i want to say it was friday that the uh the mavericks whoever his source was lied to him about harrison barnes back in 2016 so these things are possible but i just don't know how likely it is which which sort of i don't know i i go both ways because when you hear someone say you want to pay Al Horford till he's 37? Well, I want to say, of course not. But I also want the Mavericks to get to the playoffs. So if, you know, Luka and and Porzingis are improving on an incline, you make up for that decline in Al Horford eventually. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting the way that, that Stein and, and Simmons brought up uh, the Pelicans as the team because um, there's been a team apparently that, that has promised – Al Horford and how how dare they tamper before the free agency is open? But they have a promise of the the four years, one hundred and sixteen, one hundred twelve million, whatever it was. And Stein has been for, like firm on the fact that it wasn't Dallas that gave that promise. Now again, like the Tim McMahon story, they could have lied to him. This is the time for misdirection. But the Pelicans as that team is fascinating because they have they maybe have more of a case to bring in a guy like Al Horford than the, the like the Mavericks do. They have time. Yeah, no, it's, it's, we're just, we're, we're really ahead of the timetable and I don't know, I don't know how to feel about that because at the end of this, we really should have been happy that we ended up with Porzingis in January, but when they also traded away Harrison Barnes and opened up all the space, it just (laughs) opened up all these possibilities and these possibilities just really leave us open to be disappointed. If the player is if the player they get is not better than Harrison Barnes, is everyone going to be disappointed? I don't know. I mean, I think some of our fans think players are better than they all are, and then don't you know don't understand. I don't know. I I argue with people about this a lot. I really just want to know if folks actually watch basketball. You do a lot of film study, so like it can kind of come out in that sort of thing. But you know one how good like a Malcolm Brogdon style player is like I'm like guys come come on like like stop <laughs> overthinking this you know it's it, at a certain point like like let's just get good players I love Malcolm Brogdon he was number one on my free agent hierarchy yeah I think that I think that he would just be the, the perfect fit I think that he'd be less than like a max level player he'd be less than the you know the the Kemba max for sure he'd be like 10 million less than the Kemba max he brings all the stuff that you want on the team. I love, I love the idea of Malcolm Brogdon. And uh, Zach Lowe on the Woj Low thing said that the Bucks have a walkaway price for for Malcolm Brogdon. If the Mavericks, you know, strike out on a bunch of these other things, do you think that they can hit that walkaway price for Brogdon? And would you want them to to try and go for that? Because restricted free agency, like you said, it's not a great concept. You have to sign an offer sheet, wait three days, and then see if the other team's going to match or not. So. So I think this depends 
on how some of this may really depend on my understanding of restricted free agency. So please feel free to dunk on me tomorrow. But if the Mavericks whiff in the first six days of free agency, so July 30th, I'm sorry, June 30th to July 6th, and, you know, things are really looking bleak and he is out there with, you know, kind of an unsigned offer, you know, or the Bucks have, have offered him something and he's just kind of waiting to see what happens. That's when I think you potentially overpay for a guy like Brogdon. Uh, and if that's the case, you know, if you're paying, let's just say something ridiculous, like $96 million over four years for Brogdon, which I'm sure will get me screamed at, would you rather have that or would you rather have nothing? I mean, that's that's kind of where we're where we're at with all this because I I'm not I know the Bucks have said they have a walkaway price. I don't know if that's true because that that's the whole point of drafting like this. Yes, the Bucks are a quote small market team end quote, but they're also owned by a bunch of people who have a hell of a lot more money than we do. So I don't know, like, there's not a lot of value in ascertaining, like, oh, they're going to be cheap about this. I mean, I doubt it. Like, if Dallas had, like, if Dallas had, had you know, in, in some mystical fantasy world where the Mavericks had drafted well for four straight years, they're not just going to let dudes leave. That's not the point. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of where I am with that. But that's really the best way. That's really the only way that I think he becomes a Maverick to where if they, like, really – I don't. I, I don't think there's an overpay for for a guy like Brogdon. You know, outside of if you think there's an injury concern, he's good at basketball. He's tall and he can shoot and he can defend. That's what we. Yeah, and he wouldn't take the ball away from Luca as much as you know, say some of these other guys would. Uh, I think it's, yep. it all just depends on how much the Bucks want to pay into the luxury tax because not only will they have to pay into it next year, but the year after that, I think is is Giannis's contract year. There, if they give. Middleton like a five year deal. They give Brogdon like a four year deal, and then all of a sudden they have to pay Giannis too. Now you're like, and then whatever they give Brooke Lopez, now you're talking about you could be in the repeater tax, and that's where it starts getting super expensive. So that's they're, they're kind of they have to look yep. at this long term thing where it's not just okay. Well, they should definitely pay the tax next year. Well, yeah, they'd want to pay it for one year, especially next year when they have almost a direct route to the playoffs if Kawhi leaves or to the finals if Kawhi leaves. But they have to look at this long term too. So that's what I think the Buck situation is. But any other free agents that you want to touch on that I haven't mentioned, like Tobias or Jimmy Butler or anybody like that? No, because I think Dallas will stay away from from some of these guys. Tobias is is just such a unique situation guy where if this were a different year, he'd kind of get a max, no question. He probably should this year just because of how much money there is in the market, but no one's going to be happy with that. Uh, Butler is a really weird, you know, I knew last summer that like Butler's just such a blazing malcontent that he's not going to be happy wherever he is. He <laughs> signed his, he signed his extension in Chicago one year before the cap spike. Then he saw how much money like a guy like Harrison Barnes made. And I think he lost his mind. Um, so it, it's, I don't think Dallas is really interested in, you know, a lot of guys. I, I, you know, really hope they would, you know, go throw some money at like uh, uh, Boyan uh, Bogdanovich and, and see what happens with some shooters. But I, I do think there's some weird issues with, you know, the Mavericks accidentally becoming, you know, a, like a Southern European team. Um, so it's, it's you know, it's it's going to be so wild. Like, as long as we don't end up with Nick Collison and OJ Mayo, I'm probably going to be fine. 
Hey, I think OJ Mayo's his uh his suspension is up, so he can he can come back. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, all right. Let's uh there you go, Kirk. Thank you so much for joining us on Locked on Mavs. We'll have you back more than than one or two more times. So we uh we appreciate you coming on. Yes, sir. Takes. You can follow him at Kirk Serious Face. And guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Bye.